first day of the week, very early in the morning, uh, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found there the stone uh, rolled away from the tomb. But they entered, and they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words, and when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven disciples and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told the apostles. But the apostles did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, was intrigued, and he got up and ran to the tomb. And bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh God, as we I consider this story, uh, we pray for insight and understanding as to what you have for us out of this narrative. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in the midst of our spring Easter uh, teaching series, and you can catch up with all of the previous messages at adventhope.org, and we hope that you'll take advantage of that last uh, Sunday, as we mentioned, uh, we were together. Many of you were there either at 7 or later in the uh, morning as we gathered in Central Park and just celebrated the resurrection. Uh, but the, the truth is not all of you were, be, were able to be there. And since uh, we come together here on Saturday and we don't have the opportunity to be here on, on Easter Sunday, we again created our own little holiday here at Avon Hope, which is Resurrection Sabbath, the first Sabbath after resurrection. And I think there's some precedent to this. We can imagine those apostles, the disciples uh, that were following Jesus, that that first Sabbath that they got together, as was their tradition, they must have just been in awe, and there must have been a lot of celebration there. And so we can uh, take heart that while we're celebrating Resurrection Sabbath, the first Sabbath after the resurrection, that we uh, are aligned with those disciples uh, of old. And so today we're looking in a little more detail about the idea of Jesus' resurrection. We celebrated it in, in Central Park, but we want to take a little deeper look about at what was actually going on. You know, first we see here the invitation of these angels. The other gospels seem to indicate that these men who engaged the women who came to the tomb. By the way, they were coming back to finish the work that they were unable to do on Friday. You know, they had been preparing the, uh, the, these perfumes and things to, in, 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 uh, to entomb Jesus on Friday, but the Sabbath came, and so they had to cut their work short. 
And so they were coming back in on the first day of the week. The Sabbath was now over. Uh, Jesus had rested in the grave. And so they were coming back first thing in the week, in the week to, uh, to embody Jesus' body. And so they were there, and they were anticipating that they were going to finish their work. And of course, the, the, the stone is rolled away, and they're engaged by these uh, men who are, their clothes are like lightning. Now, I tried to emulate them today, but I don't know that lightning, does this, do I gleam like lightning a little? Because that was the goal. Anyway, these two guys, they show up, and they're like, why are you looking for the living among the dead? You've come to where dead people are, the tomb, and Jesus is alive just as he said he was. And so we can imagine that they just did the it was an unbelievable experience, and so they're confused and concerned, but also overjoyed, and so they go running back to the, to the, to the men who are back wherever they were, and it says that the men were, were also confused. In fact, they couldn't even understand what they were saying, and that would make sense, right? <laughs> You're not gonna... <laughs> but Peter, Peter is, is intrigued by this, and so he gets up and he runs himself to the to the tomb, and just like they said, the stone is rolled away, and uh, we're told that he looks over the linen, the, the, the burial clothes that, that Jesus had been buried in, and he went away after seeing them lying there without Jesus, he went away and wondered to himself what had happened. He wondered to himself what had happened. Now, I think that Peter's reaction uh, isn't that much different than most people's reaction to this idea of resurrection, the idea that a person would die, uh, rest in the grave for three days, and then come back to life. Resurrection. By the way, it's important to note here that we are talking about a resurrection and, and not the extension of life. In the extension of life, it'd be one thing if Jesus just continued to live and he got very old or he he. he he, he, he was old in age, but he just continued to live indefinitely. That would be amazing. But the, the idea here is that Jesus actually died. He was in the grave for three days and came back to life. Somehow that's even more astounding than someone just living indefinitely long. He was dead. He was in the grave for three days and came back to life. And so Peter's reaction, wondering what in the world just happened here, I think is the common reaction when we hear first about the story of resurrection, that there was a man who died and was in a Jewish tomb in the first century and who came to, back to life. It's a challenging concept, to say the least, and certainly there are a number of reasons why this is so challenging. First of all, none of us have ever seen someone come back. I should speak for myself. I've never seen anyone come back from the dead. Have you? Okay, just to make sure we're on the, on the same page here. I've had the, 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 the chance to be at a, a number of a funerals. always very sad. You know, you go to a funeral, and when you go to a funeral, you anticipate that the person's funeral that you're going to is not going to come back to life, right? I mean, they're going to stay there in the box, coffin, whatever it is that they're in. So I've never seen that. And so the idea of somebody coming back to life is a little bit hard to wrap our minds around. By the way, a little kind of note here. I don't know if you saw this. So this is astounding. This is astounding. It's just beyond kind of our, our comprehension. 
Um, with that said, I, did you see this weird news this week? Uh, on, on Wednesday in the Nature magazine, it was reported that some scientists had gotten together and they had removed a brain from a, from a pig and the pig had been dead for four hours, and they found a way to regenerate or restart the cells in the brain of the pig. And people were like, this is mind-blowing. I mean, it wasn't obviously the pig didn't come back to life, but this idea of regenerating something that had been dead before, a little bit hard to imagine, but somebody's trying to work on it. Somebody's trying to, 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 to figure out how to do it. Well, the story, of the, the narrative of the Bible is that God knows how to do this. God was able to regenerate the, the, the cells of the Lord Jesus and bring him back to life. And so it's a little hard for us to wrap our minds around because we've never seen this happen. Uh, secondly, it's hard for us to kind of get a hold of because the idea of resurrection just doesn't really fit in to our contemporary understanding of life and death. I mean, you have a life and you enjoy your life while you have it. And then when you're dead, you're dead. And, you know, we might try to extend that a little bit that when that comes, we might try to live a little longer. We might try to eat healthy. We might eat a few veggie dogs. <laughs> veggie dogs. Did you get, not one person. By the way, I, I got an email. Worthington is suing us because of that. So thank you, Annette, for that. <laughs> not one child loved the veggie dog. By the way, if you're new to the Adventist church, we got this a little bit of a weird thing where we're into veggie dogs. I say that very generally, because obviously none of our kids are into veggie dogs. I'll tell you later. Anyway, veggie dogs. So you, we try to extend our life by eating a little bit more healthy or, or, or whatever, but we were just not accustomed to the idea, I mean, for a good reason, of coming back to life. It just doesn't work with our contemporary framework of how life and death works. And then finally, if, if the resurrection is true or it's possible, then the implications are pretty astounding. Uh, if death can be undone, then that has a lot of, of meaning behind it. I, I mean, think about it. Death dictates so much of our life. Um, I mean, if, if death was not the end, then you might live life differently. I might do some cliff diving with Kristen in Bermuda. I mean, if I'm not worried about, you know, dying, there are some implications to resurrection that, again, it's a little hard for us to wrap our minds around. So it's understandable that Peter is at the tomb, and he's wondering, what does this mean? I mean, he doesn't have a whole grasp on what has happened, but he knows that Jesus was in the grave. He saw him die, and now he's not there. And so he's wondering what this means. And so we want to wrestle a little bit again with the implications of the resurrection. Now that same Peter who was there and wondered what the implications of this meant, of the resurrection uh, meant, actually years later, decades later, in writing a letter, he became one of the great communicators of the good news of God's work on humanity's behalf, and he wrote letters to church groups just like us, and we find one of his letters, and it's titled First Peter, so it's the first letter of this type of letters. First Peter chapter 1, and now he's had some time to reflect and contemplate on the meaning of what he saw that day when the burial clothes were laid on the stone and there was no Jesus in the grave. And he says this, and this is First Peter 1 chapter 3, 
Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us, talking about people who embrace God's work, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So Peter, now having the time to reflect on the implications of the resurrection, the implications of a Jesus not in the grave even after he died, now has come to understand that what this means is that each person who embraces what God did through Jesus has the opportunity for new birth. New birth. This comes through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That because Jesus was resurrected from the dead, because God is capable of bringing back someone who has died, God is also capable of working in human heart, any human heart, to give new birth. And so if, if we've been feeling like we, we need some transformation or new experience in our life, the promise here is that God is capable, and he sh- he, we know this because he brought Jesus back from the, from the dead, that God is capable, because he did that, of bringing new birth to you and to me. Now, Peter came to understand, have a fresh understanding of what happened when the resurrection happened. That it wasn't, just, it wasn't just a thing where Jesus is now this miraculous, transcendent figure, but it had real implications for you and for me and for anyone who was able to embrace that God could do this, that we have the opportunity for new birth. Now, Peter's associate, Paul, who was another one of the apostles or the followers or teachers of, of Jesus, even though he came a little bit later than Peter. Paul also writes this idea and helps us to understand what is going on when we think about resurrection and why Christians for 2,000 years have cared so much about resurrection. In Romans chapter 6, Paul uh, writes this about resurrection. All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus. By the way, in a few minutes, we're going to celebrate uh, two baptisms. So we're going to be, be, have the opportunity of sharing in two baptisms in just a few minutes. We had already had one at 9 a.m., and so we're going to celebrate baptism together. And Paul is saying, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, in other words, acknowledge what God did through Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. See, again, Paul, both Paul and Peter are acknowledging that what happened with Jesus, the fact that Jesus died, he didn't just live in a, a, a very long life, but that he died, was not breathing, he was in a grave in a tomb for parts of three days, but then came back to life, that this has real-world implications for you and for me. New birth new life. Romans 6, 14, just a few verses from where we just read. Because of this, sin, the brokenness in the world, the brokenness in your life, the brokenness in our communities, sin shall not be your master. You are now not under the law, but you are under grace. So something new has happened because of the resurrection of of Jesus. You, you won't be mastered by the brokenness, by your own brokenness, the, by the brokenness of society, by the brokenness of, 
the world because you are not under the law anymore. You're not under the old way of doing things. See, the old way of doing things was this, that in order to uh, gain value in the world, in the broken world, that you had to uh, be a good person, that you had to get your act together, that you had to live uh, morally. This is what almost every philosophical system in the history of human planet has told you. If you really want to achieve true value, you have to be moral. That's law thinking. You have to do it. You have to get it together. You have to fix yourself. You have to achieve. You have to be. You have to do. It's all on you. But now Paul is saying, hey, that old order of things is gone. You achieving, your achievement, you're being good, you're getting your act together is part of law. It's part of the old way of thinking. Something new happened when Jesus was resurrected. The brokenness of the world shall no longer be your master. You aren't under the law doing it on your own, but you're under God's grace, the God who did for Jesus what he could not do for himself, resting in the grave, brought him back. The promise is we too, as we embrace God's work through Jesus, can experience new life, new birth too. Real world implications for you and for me. By the way, think about it again. Jesus, Jesus, we're told, had the guilt of all brokenness, of all sin upon his shoulders when he died. Jesus died as a sinner, if you will, the worst of sinners. If God can bring back one who has the guilt of the word, all sin on him, if God can bring that person back, what can he not do? Who can he not help? Is there anybody who's too far from God's ability to transform his life? The Bible says no. Peter says no. Paul says no. That as we embrace God's work in Jesus, recognize that God can bring back the worst of sinners, and if he can do that, who can he not fix? Who can he not give new birth to and new life to? Now, I think this is very good news, because I don't know about you, but I'm pretty broken. I do not have it together on my own. Uh, I would imagine that most of you are in that, that same camp, that in fact, you've been looking for ways to fix yourself. And you think, well, if, okay, if I, just, uh, if I just find the right relationship with the right person, then I will be whole, I will be complete, and everything is going to be great. Or if, I just, if my career just gets to this point, if I just succeed in this way, or, or, or we think about you know, our, 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 our finances, if my finances were just a little bit uh, better, if my portfolio was just a little bit stronger, then, then I would be in a place of peace and comfort and all will be well. Just the right relationship or uh, my career success, <sighs> I will have such peace and I will be in such a good place. Uh, but you, you know this already. Those things, good things, by the way. By, it's always, by the way, it's always the good things that, that we find still fall short. You know, I mean, we know bad things that we're doing that are really messing us up and hurting us, but we have hope in good things. We have hope in relationships. We think, you know, relationships are good. If I just had the right relationship, everything's going to be great. My life is going to be transformed. I'm going to experience peace like I've never experienced before. Oh, if I just had a little bit more in my bank account or my portfolio was bigger, peace, I would have such peace. Such peace. It's the good things that we put our hope in and that we think are going to really do it for us and fix us. And yet every time they fall short, 
because we have uh, an ache in our hearts for something bigger than those things, an ache that only, only God is going to heal. And so that's why the good news of resurrection, the good news of new birth, a new way of thinking, of new life, and access to power that we do not have in ourselves is really great news. The idea that God could bring back Jesus from the dead and then relate that idea of, of bringing back Jesus from the dead to our experience, in essence saying you're dead. You have things, you have hopes, you have dreams that are causing death in your life. That idea that if you just get the right relationship or you, uh, if, or you just get a little bit more in your bank account or if you just have a little more career sex, success, if you, if you just think, or sex, did I say, did I, did I say sex? <laughs> if some of you think if I just had a little more sex, I'm not going to tell you which one of you caught that first when I saw on your face. Did he say sex? I think he did. We put our hopes and dreams in things that ultimately aren't going to do it for us. And those create death because what happens is when we achieve those things, when we get the sex or we get the success or we get the thing and it doesn't do it for us, that's death. It's like, ugh, wait, I thought that was going to solve all my problems. That's death that brings death. And Jesus says, hey, you need to experience death with me. Because if you experience death to the things that really don't bring life, then you'll be open to the true transformation that comes from God's work in us. This is the promise of the resurrection. A man went into a tomb and he laid there for parts of three days and then came back to life again. And we too, in our death, in our brokenness, where our hopes and dreams are rooted in the wrong things and we just feel empty, we have hope that God has power to transform us in ways that we will never transform ourselves. Paul continues in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news. Right there, we could stop. That's good news. I mean, you think about how much condemnation is in this world, how much judging we either do or are, is done to us. And we feel burdened because the people are ju judging us and we condemn our, ourselves. Paul says, now, 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 because God raised Jesus from the grave, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is the law that says you've got to get it together, you've got to figure out your own act, you've got to be the good person that you're supposed to be. That law is done. You're not going to do it. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law, i.e. being a good person, being moral, so on, might be fully met in us, not by our own work, but by the work of Jesus. Who did not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. If the Spirit of him who raised 
Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is, we have to just let it soak in a little bit, but the, the implications are as God lives in you, this God of resurrection, God is able to resurrect us, you and me and anyone who's willing to accept that he can do it. If you accept that he can do it and has done it in Jesus, God is able to work in you and to do what you will never be able to do on your own, to raise you with Jesus to new life. Now, I know that some of us here are struggling with things and ideas and philosophies and whatever that are bringing death to, to us. We're putting our hopes in things that are never really going to fulfill us. And so this message of Romans chapter 8, that as we embrace God's work, that resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is able to raise us to new life, to give us a new perspective on how we live and how the world works and how God works, that, that, that's going to help so that we don't have to be burdened by death. And by the way, this is good news. Oftentimes as Christians, we talk about the idea of resurrection being off at some point in the future. You know, Jesus is going to come back again. Adventists love this message. Jesus is going to come back again. We live in a church. We're worshiping in a church called Advent Hope. We're into the idea that Jesus came once and he's going to come back again. And we're like, at that point, there's going to be resurrection. And all the dead who, who died are going to come back to life. But the good news of Romans 8 and Peter is that resurrection isn't just something that happens at a distant point in the future when Jesus comes back again, whenever that is going to be. That resurrection happens now. Now. As we acknowledge that God did in Jesus what he did, we then have access to power of transformation and resurrection that heals us from death. Not just death of the body, but death of the mind, death that kills us, death that comes because we're putting our hopes and dreams in things that are never going to satisfy. The Spirit working in us. Paul goes on to say in Galatians chapter 5, one of our favorite passages here at Avent Hope that we talk about all the time, the fruit of this, the fruit of the Spirit working in you. Once you embrace and acknowledge that God did what he did in Jesus and that he can resurrect us too, the fruit of that is that you are filled with love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is a great list. And if we really think about it, it's, it's, it's like almost an existential list. I mean, it's a list of the things that we're really all looking for. I mean, who is not looking for love? Who is not looking for peace? The problem is that we're always looking for these things to be answered in ways that are never really going to fully answer them. So we're like, I'm going to look for love, so I'm going to find the, the right person. And yes, the right person can give you some love, but there's still going to be an ache because there's only one kind of God love. And when God love fills you, it gives you a new love for God and for each other. And so we're never going to find like the true, full, complete love on our own or in relationships with each other without God. Peace. Who is not looking for peace? I mean, maybe you're just a crazy person and you don't care about peace, but most of us want peace in our experience. 
We want to be at peace. In fact, we're struggling to try to find peace, and we're doing all kinds of things, running around to find, try to find peace in our experience. And yet the promises of the Spirit working in us because of the resurrection is that we can have peace and love and joy and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And so, in this Easter season, during this time when we continue to wrestle with the implications of a God who was in the grave, who rested and was resurrected, there's hope for our brokenness, that we too can be resurrected to new life, to new birth. Will you say this confession with me? For those who, who, who are prepared, you can just repeat after me. I believe in the power of the resurrection. And I want the Holy Spirit to work within me. May God grant you resurrection power on this resurrection Sabbath. Amen.